This is Homebound Oregon, a podcast created for these uncertain times, set in the town of Ashland, Oregon, right here in the foothills of the Cascade and Siskiyou Mountains. Gangs of wild turkeys are now cruising the streets of our town. They're tagging buildings, drinking miniature liquor bottles filled with disinfectant. Last night, three toms were seen in a stolen truck spinning donuts in the elementary school playground. And none of this shocks us anymore. We're living in dream time now. And the way we're coping here in Oregon, mostly, is by standing and staring. Staring at our neatly reorganized closets, wondering, what the hell is going on here? And even though we know there's no satisfying answer, we keep asking this question back and forth with friends and family. Anybody know what's going on? Anyone? Bueller? And our terrible gardening is not helping. We started with such high hopes, came home with a palette of perky green tomato plants, already picturing the salads, the fresh marinara, the heavy red fruit ready for canning. We took pictures the day we put them in the ground. Look at me, living off the land. And now it's only May and we realize we have no idea what we are doing. We've tried to solve every horticultural problem with our anxious watering, and now somehow three weeks into our new gardening life, our plants are both soggy and dried out at the same time. And all we can think is what Oppenheimer said after the first atomic bomb was dropped. Now I am become death the destroyer of worlds. I guess what I'm trying to say is it's lonely out here in Oregon, and we're all becoming a bit desperate for a little human kindness, and it takes focus. You have to have eyes to see and ears to hear before you may notice that there are many acts of kindness blooming despite the hardships of this time. People delivering groceries to neighbors, musicians, performing in the parking lot of a retirement center, people donating money to food banks. There's an interesting invitation presented to each of us during this time. You either withdraw and become more concerned with me and mine, or you move outward, discover your more generous capacities to care and be connected with others. Our theme for this episode is the kindness of strangers, and to kick us off, I thought of one of the bards of the Rogue Valley, Gene Burnett. Back in the pre-COVID days, you could watch Gene at the Wild Goose open mic almost every Sunday night playing his original music. And I remembered a song Gene performed at one of the Hearths community gatherings in 2017, a song about our connection and need for one another, a song called there's no such thing. I asked Gene where the song came from. So it came from just the direct, literal feeling. Like the, the first verse is sort of a love version. I'm telling my wife, right, I meant this when I said it when I married you, and that I, I'm here.
here for you and I'm with you. I'm not, you're not by yourself. You'll never be by yourself. And then the second one is versus kind of the nature version. And literally I was, you know, I, I mean, I don't say this in the song, but I was, you know, relieving myself, <laughs> I was relieving myself kind of in the woods and I looked up and the moon was there and I, I could feel its presence. Like mm-hmm. I, I, there was no way for me to feel alone, even though I was the only one out there. And uh, and then I decided to tie it into um, the music thing. Um, the open actually, when I say I, I was singing in a bar room on a noisy Sunday night, that's the Sunday night at the Goose. It was one of the first times that I went, and Little Tom Little was the host, and the crowd was really really noisy. And I was new there, and I didn't even know if I wanted to do this kind of thing. And I was playing a song, and you know he just looked up at me and just tipped his glass and gave me a good song mate kind of wink. And and somehow before the song was over, everybody was singing along. Next thing I know, uh, I'm connected into a temporary community there. said it all those years ago I pledge my love to you and no one else I said your lonely days are gone darling from now on there's no such thing as all by yourself there's no such thing all by yourself There's no such thing as all by yourself I'll be with you everywhere I'll always be there There's no such thing as all by yourself
was singing in a bar room on a noisy Sunday night. And someone smiled and tipped his glass to me. And it wasn't very long till everybody sang along. I felt as right at home as right can be. There's no such thing as all by yourself Sit down, take off your coat We're all in the same boat There's no such thing as all by yourself There's a living mystery that will keep you company. There's no such thing as all by yourself. There's no such thing as all by yourself. Thank you. Thank you very much. Our story for this episode comes from Vanessa Hauk. Vanessa works with Southern Oregon Jobs with Justice. And with the help of some volunteers and her husband, Jason, she has served over 25,000 meals to unhoused folks here in our community. Vanessa told a story back in 2017. The theme that night was Tales of of kindness. I stand in my tiny kitchen inside our old mobile home, and it's a Friday, and I'm standing there making scrambled eggs in my favorite teal blue pan because I'm expecting about 80 people for dinner. Next to me, my phone sits there and it, and it beeps, and so I, I, when I can, I look over at it and it's my friend, Melissa, from Medford. She does homeless outreach in Medford. And she says, Vanessa, the crisis team says that they have a woman here who is very pregnant, and she has nowhere to go tonight. Can she come to Ashland? So I go back to storing the eggs, and I think, I think about the 43 spaces in Pioneer Hall that exist when we have a shelter there. And I think about the 43 little mats, thin mats, and the 43 blue blankets. And I know that over the last many months, we, we've had nights where we've had to turn people away. We've had more than 43 people show up. And I know that every time I say yes to someone, I have to say no to somebody else. So I'm thinking about that, but I'm thinking, she's pregnant. What can I do? It's kind of a two for one. <laughs> So when I can, I get back to my cell phone and I, I text my friend back and I say, yes, send her here and tell her to look for the Snoopy apron. <laughs> so later that day, we're in Pioneer Hall and all of the food has been brought in for the Friday meal. And 
we have long tables that have been all set out in chairs and the, the, the homeless community has helped us set up the room. There are long tables and they have red and, red and white checkered tablecloths on them. The coffee's ready and it's, it's been brewed and it's ready. And we have some snacks out and it's almost time for dinner. And I look out and I see this woman come through the door and I've never seen her before. And she's pulling a red suitcase, a big red suitcase. And she has a big bag around her shoulder and a big purse on the other arm. And the word I think of when I see her is the word cumbersome. She looks like she's carrying everything she owns. And this is how I meet Nicole. Later that night, we go from the, from the Friday meal into the shelter. And to do that, we have to sweep all the floors and mop them and clean everything up and get it all ready. And then we have all of the, the store, in store in storage next to Pioneer Hall, we have all of the mats and blankets and supplies. And so we all work together to bring all of that in. And in the middle of all of this, actually, it, it's funny because if, if I was telling this story here, there would be about 17, I mean there, there would be about 17 different interruptions. There would be people that need something. The bathroom would probably be flooding. Um, there would be, it's just, it's, it's kind of a controlled chaos. And so all of this is going on and, and there's Nicole and she's very tired and so we, we make our spot, we find her spot, we get her mat and everything and shortly thereafter she lies down and she goes right to sleep. She's exhausted. So the next morning, 6.30 the next morning, what happens is I, I go around and I turn on the lights and before I turn on the lights and wake everybody up, I usually say this thing, I'll say, good morning everybody and I wait a couple seconds before I hit the lights so they can, you know, not be um, not, it's not so abrupt. And so I do that, and then there is dozens and dozens of cups of coffee that need to be poured and served and breakfast for 43. So there's 43 spaces there. And, it, and so I'm doing all of this with help from many volunteers. And we're, as, as the morning's going on, I'm, I'm kind of watching the time because I know that I've got to figure out something to do for Nicole. Where is she going to go? This is Saturday morning, and there's no shelter Saturday night. They're, they're, I'm, I'm trying to figure out the best thing to do. So I get on my phone. I walk outside and get on my phone, and I call Jackson County Mental Health because they're the crisis team. And I call them, and I explain the situation, and a very nice woman talks to me on the phone, and she seems to understand everything I'm saying. And then I hear her say, so... What's the plan for Nicole? <laughs> Here's the thing. I always used to think that there was a safety net that existed under all of us, that if something really bad happened, there was an agency to call and somebody would help. And what I've learned is that we're the safety net. You and me and everybody in this room, you're the safety net. That's what I've learned. And so I get off the phone as quickly as I can with mental health because I can tell that's not going to get us anywhere. And I, I go back in Pioneer Hall where Jason is mopping the floor and I say, you know, there's no Calvary coming over the hill, so what are we gonna do about Nicole? And he looks at me and he says, we'll put her up in a hotel. So that buys us a little bit of time. 
the next couple weeks pass, and Nicole goes back and forth from being in the shelter to staying in motels when she can. And during the day, there's nowhere for her to go. It's very cold. And so, so some time passes like that, and, and we're just kind of doing the best we can. We all are. Okay, so about three weeks pass, and Nicole has, it's a Friday again, and she has, she calls, or she texts me on my phone, and she has had her baby. She has a little girl named Charlie. She's about six pounds. And Nicole texts me pictures of this beautiful baby, and she is light and joy and everything that's good. She, her, she looks like the stained glass behind me, the blue, the light there, that's that baby. And so I, um, a little bit of time passes that day, and it's Friday, and so I'm getting ready for another community meal. And I get a phone call later that day from Nicole, and she's frantic. She's, she's very upset, and she says, Vanessa, they're, they're taking the baby. They're, they're not letting me take the baby. They're taking her away. She says, can you do something? Can you, can you adopt her, or, or can you foster her? Can you, can you take her? Her words are just fear, and she is, is so scared and so overwhelmed. And all I can say in this worst moment of this woman's life is, I'm really sorry, there's really nothing I can do. And so Nicole goes back to a hotel that night. She gets released from the hospital, and she goes back to the hotel. And we kind of rally around her as best we can with providing some food and some support. We get her clothing. We do the little basic things that we can do. But what she most needs are things that I can't help with. I can't fix her life. I can't, I can't get her baby back. I'm very um, overwhelmed myself with that. And so some more time passes, and Nicole, Nicole's having a chance to heal, and she decides that she's going to go back to the coast where she's from and try to, make, try to work a relationship out with her grandmother. And she leaves here, and she, she goes there, and... and Within a very short time, it becomes very apparent that that's not going to happen. And she winds up in a tent on the coast in the rain, in a holy tent, outside again, no closer to getting her daughter back. Her daughter's in foster care. Um, and I am often wind up in these situations that seem completely impossible, and I don't know how to fix them. I don't know, I don't know how to make things better. But I know how to stand in my kitchen in front of my favorite blue pan, and I stand there and I stir scrambled eggs for the next dinner. Thank you. What makes this time hard? Uh, the loneliness. I, you know, we, we found someone yesterday who, we, we went to put him in a hotel room in the morning, and the second he saw us, until we, until he was walking away with the key, like 15 minutes later, to go open the door and, and get himself inside, 
he didn't stop talking once. He didn't come up for air. It was like he was so lonely and hadn't seen anybody else that he felt like he could talk to and open up to. I've never seen this level of loneliness in people before. And so how do you guys try to address that? Um, one of the small things that we're doing is the note writing. Uh, we, we are encouraging other community members to write little notes, of uh, encouraging notes, and then we're putting those in the food bags and in the snack bags. And so when people receive them, they're getting messages from various people around town, and it's kind of connecting those two groups, you know, the, the house and the unhoused. They, there's, there's one lady, she's in her 70s, she wrote 200 notes. They, they express love, they express concern, um, just encouraging. And then what's it like for you to practice kindness? You know, the Dalai Lama said, you know, it's, kindness is my religion. And I, I feel like, I, I don't know what religion is. Like, I, I struggle with religion. But I think that when we do kind acts, I get closer to understanding what religion is and understanding why we're here. You know, when, when I started doing, doing especially the homelessness work, um, I, di- I did it thinking that I was going to help other people, but really I helped myself. I think of all the people around us that, that come to volunteer who are grieving and, and trying to heal from grief. And what that volunteering does, it gives them a sense of purpose. You know, they're, they're out having conversations with people regularly. They're making friends. There's just something. It's beyond us that happens. So I was inspired by Vanessa and the volunteers she works with placing these notes of encouragement and kindness into the meals that they hand out to vulnerable people in our town. And I just posted on social media, if you were to give a word of encouragement to people who are feeling lonely or a little despairing, what would you say? wanted to say that I love you, you are loved, and it's a beautiful day. Never give up. You will get through this. Keep reaching out to people. Look for the friendly faces. I know you have an inner strength, and you have courage, and you've made it through hard times before. We all care about you and are going to keep caring. Be kind to yourself. I hope you can find some peace. Eres agua, no te agudes. Eres tierra, no te seques. Eres cielo. What makes me feel happy during these times is going outside and sitting in nature, remembering that it's alive and I'm not alone. You are really amazing for facing this difficult time with so much courage. I hope that you will hang in there and know that you are loved and appreciated by many. Who among us doesn't need a bit of kindness? a gentle word, some encouragement to help transform fear into courage, despair into hope. This valley where I live is blessed by artists and every work of art is an act of kindness calling us back to beauty, back to the truth, pulling us out from the mania of our own inner monologues. And there's a song, a blessing really, by a local musician and guitar teacher, Jeff Fretwell. It's a song that reminds me that I need others to mirror back to me that I'm okay, that I'm not the sum of my failures, that I have the capacity to love and be loved. It's called One of the Good Ones. And Jeff played it 
at a hearth gathering here in town back in 2017. He lived his whole life on the trail Grew too old to ride Crawled in his bedroll and died Content as he drew close the veil But most of the rest of us sinners We make our own deals with the odds Trade lives, taking chances in wild open expanses For lives that sometimes feel like frauds And you must know by now that you're one of the good ones You must know by now that it's alright Well, we settled down after the boom years To live with what circumstance brings We do right by our families and face eternity blandly Now that we've put away childish things Cause living's the best part of being And seeing's as good as it gets and the broader perspective that once was neglected Is ours, now we're done with regrets And you must know by now You're one of the good ones You must know by now that it's alright skies reflect a calm that belies all the heartache that life's gonna bring cause the days slide on by without mercy while you try to hold on to routine 
The world keeps getting stranger, it's not without danger, and it's tough to know which way to lean. And you must know by now that you're one of the good ones. You must know by now that it's all right. You must know by now that everything matters. Thank you. Everything matters, and that includes you. So find some way to activate the good in you. Wave at a stranger. Send an encouraging note to a friend. Donate food to those who are hungry. Send money to an organization serving on the front lines. Offer a prayer for the pregnant mother who has no place to lay her head. Do not allow the love in you to wither and dry up. Instead, find some way to serve, some way to lend a hand, some way to make your hope real. And in all you do, let your religion be kindness. Homebound Organ is produced by The Hearth out of Ashland, Oregon, with support from the Jackson County Cultural Coalition and the Ford Family Foundation. Guitar and piano accompaniment by Dan Sherrill. Sound recordings by Tom Frederick. Joseph Pilgrim and Noah Catton are our sound engineers. And I'm your host, Mark Iaconelli. For more information on The Hearth and Homebound Organ, go to thehearthcommunity.com.